0: Welcome to Center Ice. It is the 29th of April in the year 2021 and we are getting into the home stretch of this season and it's been a few weeks since the deadline. Some things have happened since then and a lot of movement amongst the teams in the three, four spots in some of these divisions and uh, we're really starting to see who are the contenders and who are the pretenders and let's jump right into it. Let's not waste any time as I bring in as always, Mac Vincent, let's jump right into something that uh, is a little bit beyond the playoffs, but certainly something that people are starting to think about more and more as uh, it gets closer. And that's the awards. And there's some clear-cut favorites this year in some of these awards. And then there's some that are just wide open, eh, Mac?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's like any other year. Um, so let's let's talk about that. First of all, I mean, the Hart Trophy. <clears throat> this is one that is just, it's an absolute no doubter. I mean, what Connor McDavid is doing, again, is just amazing. And I would like to point out that despite the numbers he's putting up offensively, defensively this year, he's been better than ever. And he's really impacting the game positively from a defensive standpoint. And obviously it's not, you know, great defense, elite defense, but it's clear that that's something he wants to work on. And, and if you remember Sidney Crosby early in his career, he had as much talent as anybody and he could score, you know, 90, a hundred points regularly. But one of the things that he wanted to do was improve as a two-way player and and look what Connor McDavid is doing is still so young, but he continues to just improve every year. It's, it's really is amazing to
0: watch. Yeah. He's just an incredible player a, a world-class talent for a reason and he, he is the engine that fuels Edmonton and this is nothing against Leon Drysdale or Nugent Hopkins or, or Nurse because they're all great players in among themselves but when Connor McDavid is not playing he's out with injury you can see how different this Edmonton Oilers team plays without him and he truly deserves to win the heart this year it's a no doubter I don't think anyone else is even in the conversation and for good reason, just Connor McDavid is going to reach 100 points in a 56 game season. That just tells you how good of a player he is.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And then um I would say the next few are kind of tough. I mean, there's a lot of really good candidates for uh the bigger name awards. So let's let's go to the Selkie.
0: Mm, now, the, the Selkie, I uh, my pick, Mac because I've been saying he should have he won it years ago just based on what he does. Uh, for me, I, I want to see Mark Stone win the Selkie. He should have won it by now. He hasn't won it yet. He'll certainly be in the running again this year. But as you mentioned, as I'm sure you'll note, there's lots of competition this year, as always. You've mentioned that. And uh, who are a few other guys you're keeping your eye on, Mac? Uh, of course, you got Patrice Bergeron in there always. But are there any other guys you're looking at and saying, they could easily win the Selkie this year.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Mark Stone and I believe he's worthy to win this award pretty much the last, you know, four or five years. But another guy that is almost always worthy of this award is Alex Barkov. I mean, having a great season with Florida and Florida continues to surprise us, even though they haven't had any playoff success yet. They've had a great regular season. And the one thing about Barkov that is impressive is he plays in all situations. He plays on the penalty kill, even strength, you know. And he's just one of those guys that is just dominant. He rarely makes mistakes. And I think the most interesting thing about this award is how is it defined? Because the way it's defined, Matt, in definition, is the best defensive forward. But I'm not so sure that's how we evaluate it. I feel like we evaluate: okay, who is the best two-way player here? Who is the best player that puts up good enough offensive numbers, but also excels defensively?
0: Yeah, you're right. And uh, the Selkie, uh, the last few years it's been Fredric Bergeron's award. <laughs> they should, I think, one day they'll rename it the Bergeron Award. Mac, he just has won it so much, but. I think we're going to see some more competition and it's good. It's really good. I, I think, uh, and you mentioned how we need to reevaluate the awards. I think uh, for a lot of these awards, as we go down the list, you're going to start to see a change in how writers are the voters and the Professional Hockey Writers Association evaluates players. And it changes over time. And we're seeing that, you know, what we'll won you the Selkie five, 10 years ago will not win you the Selkie today. Or, what won you the Norris five to 10 years ago won't win you the Norris for t- today, for example. So, and that's another thing we need to keep taking into consideration because really the definitions of who's eligible for the awards, with the exception of a few of them, are pretty vague. And it really is up to the uh, voters to decide how do they interpret that? You know, wh- what is the best defenseman now versus what the best defenseman was five years ago for example if you know what i mean mac
1: yeah you're right and i think what you made a great point there is the way we define these awards and who we you know vote for as you know you mentioned the phwa it's just it is changing and i think it's changing as the game is changing and as players change so i don't have a problem with that But I feel like if you want to be a little more clear with something like the Selkie, you have to say, okay, this is given to the best two-way forward in the game and not say best defensive forward because there are a lot of guys out there that are really good defensive forwards, but they just don't put up a lot of points. And they'll never get nominated for those awards. They just won't.
0: Yeah, you're right. And the the other thing I think both of us would like to see, Mac, and this is something a lot of fans have been asking for for quite some time, Mac, is we'd like to see more transparency from the Professional Hockey Writers Association. I think it could, it's sorely needed. Same with the Hockey Hall of Fame induction deduction committee, but uh, it needs to happen. I think a little. We don't need to know exactly who voted for who, but just a little more transparency would go a long way in my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that they're now publicizing who they're voting for is a good thing. Um, there's more accountability there, I guess, but yeah, it's uh, awards are always, you know, I, I would say most of the time, most people don't agree with the awards picks and, you know, last year was not an exception because it just, it, it's really hard to know what people are thinking and everybody has a different opinion and it'll be really interesting to see what happens this year, but let's go on to an award that I think for sure will have somebody different when this year. And that's the Norris trophy.
0: Yeah. And the Norris trophy uh, is a uh, wide open shot this year. Of course, last year, Victor Hedman won it. He was on, uh, he was on another level, match and he was absolutely incredible. As you note, Mac, he won Norris Trophy, Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe. They had three big awards there. But this year, he really hasn't been the Victor Hedman we've seen in past years. And I don't see him winning the Norris, and I know you don't either. But there are a couple other Tampa Bay Lightning players that really could, you know, I think deserve some shout outs. You know, Ryan McDonough and Eric Saranek have been very good for the Tampa Bay lightning this year, but how How often do you hear them mentioned Mac? Not very often. And I think that they deserve some more recognition. Uh, another player worth talking about is Adam Fox. And you and I talked about him last night while we were watching uh, the uh, Sens game and the uh, Leafs and Habs game. We both said Adam Fox was such a steal for the Rangers. And he's really helped turn that Ranger season around Mac when he found his game. He started putting up points, more points. He started playing a really good defensive game. The Rangers season really turned around. They were struggling mightily through the first half of the season. And of course, there's no guarantee the Rangers are going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs at this point. But if you're a Rangers fan, you can at least view this season as more successful than what it was looking like. It was going to be at the start of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's still only four points behind Boston. I know Boston is hot right now, but they've been streaky all season long and the Islanders are in a bit of a, a losing streak right now. I think a lot could change in the East division the rest of the way. So I don't think you could count the Rangers out yet. I, I think you can definitely count out Philadelphia and obviously <laughs> New Jersey and Buffalo, but the Rangers are going to be very tough to eliminate from contention here. I think it's going to be Rangers and Boston battling it out for that final spot. And it's going to go down to the wire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing that the uh, Boston Bruins have over the Rangers, it's worth noting, Mac is they have two games at hand over the New York Rangers. So mm-hmm. that will certainly play into things down the stretch here. Uh, any other players you want to mention in, for the uh, Norris Mac?
1: Well, speaking of the Bruins, I mean, Charlie McAvoy has just developed into such a good overall defenseman. You know, he's, he's smart defensively. He doesn't take a lot of penalties. He is just really good with his defensive stick, very smart. Um, And he doesn't really jump into the play as much as he did before. I think he's really settled down as a really good two-way defenseman and You know, he just continues to improve every year. So he definitely deserves at least a nomination and to be considered for this award. And I think, you know, he will be one of the guys that is going to be contending for this award for the next, you know, four or five years. He's that good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that the uh, Norris, uh, I, I mentioned earlier how the awards criteria has changed the Norris certainly has changed we are seeing more of a shift towards overall two-way game and i like that I, I really think that's a good thing and we're seeing in my opinion better overall defensemen get that award because back in the mid to mid 2010s i should say all we saw were guys like brett burns drew daddy eric carlson and they would put up 70 80 points now that was impressive absolutely but were they the best two way overall offensive and defensive defensemen? I'd say no. There were a lot of guys during that era that got overshadowed because the voters were going for more offensive defensemen. So I, I like this shift towards the two way defensemen. It's opening it up to a lot more defensemen than we used to see. And I think we're going to continue to see that shift, especially among the Norse.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and the other two guys that I think are worth mentioning here are Jacob Chikrin. And yes, he leads the all defensemen in goals, and he has really worked on his shot. I mean, he's been quite a story for the Coyotes this season. But defensively, you know, he is a number one defenseman. And the talk this offseason was, oh, Oliver ekman Larson, what's he gonna do? Where's he gonna go? Is he staying or leaving? I'll tell you what, they are they are thrilled with Jacob Chickard, right now in
0: Arizona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another award. That at first we thought there was an unanimous favorite Mac in the caller, uh, Creole off. We thought for sure he was going to win it. He was just putting up a bunch of points, but it seems to have opened up a bit now, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars, uh, also brother of Nick Robertson, who is a Leafs prospect, has had a really nice season and hasn't gotten the talk because I think he's really been on a hot streak lately. But, I mean, they're similar players, right? They, they're play drivers, and they're not great defensively yet, as you would expect with any young player. But you look at the contributions these two have made to their teams. I mean, I think Robertson deserves credit for keeping the Dallas Stars in a playoff race when they're missing, you know, Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop really the entire season. And obviously, you know, what Kaprizov is doing speaks for itself. I mean, you and I thought going into the year, this guy was probably going to win the Calder Trophy and he very well could and the Minnesota wild are looking like a team that could be a bre- pretty big threat going into the playoffs, you know? So I think both guys, like this is kind of one that reminds me a lot of Hughes and McCar last year, like a lot of people were split between the two. And then when we found out McCarr won, some people were were surprised, uh, myself included but I think you and I would agree that Makar was the better choice and Makar is the better defenseman. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here.
0: Another player that's worth mentioning. I don't think he'll win it, but Josh Norris, And I know there's a bit of hometown bias in this one, Mac, but you look at the numbers that Josh Norris has put up this season. He's got 31 points in 49 games and on a not on a Sun team that quite frankly, is not very good. And he's been putting up a lot more goals he has a, a three game point streak last i check, and he's looked good he's looked very good He's uh, been playing well and if cappers off and robertson weren't in a league of their own mac i think josh norris would certainly get some consideration for the Calder. i think he'll get nominated i, I really do see him getting nominated but i don't see him winning which is unfortunate as a Sens fan but just to get nominated is still quite something so it's not not taking away from his season at all
1: no you're right he's had a very good year and I think what I've been most impressed with is just his ability to defend like he's a really good defensive forward and obviously he's got a great shot good offensive instincts and you're right he's not playing on a great team but you know I think Sens fans should be really excited about this guy if he continues to develop the way he is. Cause you know, right now at a young age, he's already extremely good defensively. You know, he's a good play driver and he's got a good shot and he's a really good skater. Like what else could you possibly want in a young player?
0: Absolutely. Uh, for the Sens, uh, they're hoping that he could transition into a top line center. I don't quite see it. I, there's the potential there, Mac, but he'll be a very solid top six center if his development continues to go the way it is. And he, I wouldn't say he's been a pleasant, a big surprise for the Sens, but he, he, his contributions have certainly made a big difference for the Sens this season. All right. On to the next award. Uh, another one that is very close, I'd say, and that's the Vesnimec. And, and I know we, what you were telling me last night is you're going after, you think it's between Connor Hellebuck and Andre Vasilevsky, and I think that's a very fair, a fair assessment of the situation, because both have just been outstanding this year, to say the least.
1: Yeah, and these two guys are, have been, I would say, battling for this trophy really the last two, three years, and I think I don't know if you agree with this, but I. I believe that these are the two best goalies in the league and they're kind of tier one elite. And then there's, there's kind of another tier with some very good goalies, but they're not at that level that these two are at. and and they just continue to do it year after year. They play a lot. They face a lot of shots. They make a lot of quality saves and they just really carry their team
0: to victory. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's one more goalie. I'd like to put in the conversation, Mac. I don't see him winning it, but Marc-Andre Fleury's quietly had a very good year in Vegas. He's got a record of 21-10-0, a 209 goals against average, with a 926 save percent. That's pretty darn good. I don't see him beating out either Vasilevsky or Hellebuck to take the uh, trophy, but I-, I think he's worth being in the conversation.
1: No, absolutely. He's had a great year and Vegas has been a very good defensive team under Pete DeBoer. So, but you know, like you said, you know, what Flurry's done uh, speaks for itself considering that everybody was talking about Laner, myself included, <laughs> going into the regular season, but then the whole COVID thing happened and he's risen to
0: the occasion. He's done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And, It's going to be a toss-up, honestly, between Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. You could flip a coin, Mac. I think it really is going to be close. I think this is one of those awards that it's only going to be won by three to five votes. It's going to be very close because both are well-deserving of the award. Now, if you had to ask me to pick who I would take, Mac, I would probably take Connor Hellebuck. And this is nothing against Andre Vasilevsky because he's been outstanding this season. The numbers speak for himself. But I think uh, just if I'm voting Mac, I'm looking at the situations. The stats are pretty similar between the two, but then I need to take a step back and I say, what's the overall situation with the Winnipeg Jets versus the Tampa Bay Lightning? And in my opinion, it's night and day. The defense that Connor Hellebuck plays against, plays behind versus the defense that Andre Vasilevsky plays behind in Tampa. It's night and day. I think, uh, that it's pretty safe to say the Jets defense is not very good. And (laughs) Hellebuck's been putting up these crazy numbers despite the defense in Winnipeg. So that's where he edges it out for me. What are your thoughts on that one, Mac?
1: No, I I think that's the way I feel as well. And, you know, I think you could, you couldn't go wrong with either of them. I mean, the way they're playing year after year, is just remarkable, but, but yeah, I, I think, You know, Connor Hellbuck, considering the team he plays for and, you know, how much better a team like Tampa Bay is, it's he he just the way he keeps his team in games night after night. And I've seen it, believe me, I've seen a lot of Connor Hellbuck this year as a Leafs fan. And he is just spectacular. And the way he kind of dictates the game and takes over just like Vasilevsky does, is, is something to behold. And You Absolutely. know, I, I don't know who's going to win. I really don't, but I think it's one of those two guys, and I think you can't go wrong with either of them. Uh, they're just so good.
0: No, you can't. Uh, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, there will be, certainly be some controversy regardless of which one wins, but when, when people look back on it, they'll say, either one deserved to win, and one of them will edge out the other.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now you talk about wide open races for awards. How about the Jack Adams and a GM of the year? In my opinion, these are absolutely wide open. I don't think I could pick one. Just looking at our
0: list of candidates here. Could you? No, I I don't think so. You can make a very good case for a lot of these guys, Mac, you know, just a top of the list, Rob. Rod Renmore. he's been very good in Carolina. And you and I have argued he he should should have been nominated for that award sooner. And what he's been able to do in Carolina has been great. And continue moving down the list, you look at Joe Quenville. A lot of people were questioning whether he was going to stick around in Florida and what was going on in Florida. But he's been able to turn that team around. And uh, you and I will have some more to say about the Florida Panthers in a little bit. But he's done a marvelous job there. And then, yeah, yeah, of course. And you've got Sheldon Keefe in there. You as a Leaf fan, you can expand on Sheldon Keefe in ways I can't. But from what I've seen, Maca, he, he struggled a bit through the start of the season, a little. You could see it. It was his first full season as head coach. They, they were a bit shaken after uh, losing to the Blue Jackets the way they did last season. But you could tell he really put in the work in the offseason He he's learned from his mistakes. He's got the team playing for each other now. And they, they seem to be playing a full 60 minute game now, which is good. That's what they needed to do. And Sheldon should absolutely be considered for Jack Adams.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I think the other guys that come to mind are Jared Bednar with the Colorado Avalanche. And the reason I put him in there is because Colorado has improved so much defensively. Compared to last year. I mean they are a top tier defensive team this year. And they've had a lot of injuries. Right now they have a whole bunch of guys out. Like Gru Bauer. And Rantanen. And Eric Johnson. And they're still playing really well. And they lost to Vegas yesterday. But Vegas has won 10 in a row. And they are white hot. So I think I can forgive that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And then Peter Laviolette. I mean what a job he's done. Kind of resurrecting the capitals and saying okay look this is still a really good team but you need to play in my system and you need to play well defensively and and we have enough offense and enough good players on this team and enough good goaltending that we should be a really good team and they have been
0: yeah absolutely anyone else you want to mention Mac
1: well I gotta throw Pete DeBoer in there because I think he, he is a really good coach and I think He deserved a chance to coach a really good team after kind of a really bad years the Sharks had over the past few years. And he has jumped into Vegas, and I think he's made a huge difference. I really do. I'm not saying, you know, Gerard Blance is a bad coach, but I think it's pretty clear Pete DeBoer is a superior coach to to him.
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point there. And then GM of the year, Mac, I think it's a little more – cut and dry i think that's fair to say but it's still a toss-up between a lot of these guys if you had to ask me to make my pick right now i'd probably just say kyle dubas now of course a lot of that would depend on playoffs but this is voted for before the playoffs and just based on what kyle dubas has been able to do in toronto where he's he was battling a really tough cap situation you and i talked about it in our regular season preview and over the off season at the Leafs were going to have a challenging time improving with their cap situation but Kyle Dubas has made the best of it we talked about how on our last show how bringing guys like Nick Foligno were a fabulous moves and as you uh, pointed out last night and a few days beforehand the Leafs have yet to lose with Nick Foligno in the lineup so uh, safe to say that was a pretty good move for Kyle Dubas
1: Yeah, and I mentioned Pete DeBoer for Vegas being up for Jack Adams, and I think Kelly McCrimmon deserves to be up for GM of the year because, yes, he added Petrangelo in the offseason, but I think apart from that, there were a lot of other options that were available to him, and he did the smart thing where he said, okay, we we need to shed some salary so we can bring in this great player like Petrangelo, and he made some tough decisions. You know, he had to trade away... Nate Schmidt who I think they really liked and obviously you had to trade away Paul Stassny who I think they were also happy with but the way he looked at it was if we're getting Alex Petrangelo he's going to make our team that much better and he has So, a well uh, job well done by Kelly McCrimmon and the only other guy that came to mind for me was Joe Sackick and I think you and I just marvel at the way he manages this team with who he hires, who he brings in, who he drafts. It's just amazing. But the one move I would point to that I don't like was trading for Devin Dubnik. Not sure I
0: like that one, Joe Second. No, I think he paid a bit too much for Devin, Devin Dubnyk.
1: Yeah, so I think
0: I would say it's
1: between those three. I mean, there are certainly other guys that deserve to be in the conversation, but I think it's a three-horse race there.
0: Yeah, I think those are the consensus three, probably among voters for awards this year. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, The award voting will happen soon uh, at the end of the season. So we will have to wait and see who wins what. But uh, a lot of very close races for a lot of awards this year. And I guess the only other one we need to mention before we move on here, Mac, is the Maurice Rochard. And got to give a shout out to Austin Matthews here, Mac. He has 35 goals, and I think it's going to be tough for, for anyone to catch him at this point.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, you've got Connor McDavid, Brad Mishaw, and Nico Rantanen, but they're within nine goals of him. I think he, he's got this one locked up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the playoff hunt, Mac. We mentioned we were going to do that off the top of the show. So let's go through it here, Mac. And I think we, we need to talk about the Montreal Canadiens, don't we?
1: Oh, we do. Certainly do.
0: All right. Well, uh, look. Uh, you and I were talking about this for a while last night, but, but and the consensus we got to is a, a lot of people are riding way too high on Montreal. The the Canadians. I really do think will not make the playoffs, Mac. And I'm willing to I'm willing to come on the show and say I was wrong in our next episode. Because I just don't see it. I really don't see it. You look at how they've been in their last. Few games. They've they're four seven and zero in their last eleven games. They've lost Gallagher and Price for the season, and they don't. They're scoring less than two two goals per games, and yeah, they won a game against Calgary two to one. But Calgary was all over them for a good chunk of that game, and they snuck away with the win by the skin of their teeth. And then they played Toronto last night, and they did not play well against the Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're in trouble for sure. And and I think a lot of the moves they've made have been questionable. I mean, uh, the bottom line here is that they've got a tough schedule the rest of the way. I mean, they played Toronto three more times. They play Winnipeg. They play Connor McDavid and the Oilers twice. And they play the Sens who are trying to maybe move ahead of them into that final playoff spot twice as well. So I I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they are, fortunately, they're a little bit far ahead of those teams, but I don't think the way they're playing right now is not a recipe for success. And I, I just think like they're, look, they've had a lot of injuries and they've been very inconsistent this year, but I think maybe we, we just overvalued what they had. And you know, maybe this isn't a playoff team yet and, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But in e- either case, you know, Mark Berger is not feeling too good about his job security right now.
0: No. Well, you look at the North division as a whole, now. Toronto's obviously clinched the clinch last night. Edmonton is going to clinch any day now. Winnipeg is going to clinch any day. I, I think just based on what's happened in Vancouver with the COVID outbreak and just Let's be honest, they weren't in a good situation going into that COVID shutdown either. So, Vancouver is going to have to play a lot of games in a short amount of time. I think they're out of it. I think Ottawa's passed them for good. I think Vancouver's going to end up in seventh just based on what's going on. So, now you're really left with three teams. Montreal currently holds it with 51 points as of this recording. And then you've got Calgary, who is back six. But, Calgary. There's 48 games played So it is Montreal and Calgary. Uh, they haven't been playing great. Um, I'll be the first to admit they've been pretty mediocre and pretty inconsistent, but they've been doing better than Montreal. And then you have Ottawa. And now you and I talked about this at length last night, the thing with the senators. And I think it's worth keeping an eye on is the Senate have a pretty darn easy schedule through the rest of the way. And they seem to be finding their stride at the exact time. And I'm making no guarantees here, Mac. Absolutely not. But you look at the month of May for the Sens, they play six games and they need to, they basically need to win all of them. But I think it's five or six, at least you look at the schedule. It's doable. You play Montreal, you play Montreal once, you play Winnipeg, sorry, you play Montreal twice, Winnipeg twice, Toronto once, Calgary once. So you've finished most of your schedule and you're playing teams that either will have nothing to play for at the point you play them or are teams that you've had success against this year. So I know Ottawa is a distant team for the playoffs, but I just want to make it known on the show that it's not impossible by any means.
1: No, you're right. And if the Haps continue to struggle the way they have, I'd be not like, Right. Like you said, they're four, seven, and no in their last 11 games, they have a tough schedule the rest of the way. They have a lot of injuries. It could happen. Maybe they'll lose, you know, four or five in a row. You don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah. And I think we're just wrapping up this episode here. Let's take a look at the West division and, uh, the St. Louis blues look like they're closing in on that final spot. Don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. They're, uh, Slowly creeping up on that spot. And I think it's just a matter of time, Mac, until they clinch it. I, you and I both knew they were going to uh, leapfrog the Coyotes. We said that in the last episode. The Coyotes in their last 10, Mac, have been 2-8-0. Shocking, I know. but uh, oh. <laughs> The Blues really struggled for a a, a period a good period of March. And they see, they've hit their stride. They've won three in a row. They look much better as of late. And they're three points clear of the Coyotes. And they've got three games in hand over the Coyotes. So I think it's just a matter of time. The Blues will clinch that playoff spot. I don't see San Jose climbing up into that spot, nor do I see Arizona. So I think it's going to happen. Book it. The final spot in the West Division will be going to the St. Louis Blues.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I just don't, I don't see it from any teams around them. I think they're, they're a better team than those teams. I don't think they threaten any of the top three going to the playoffs. I mean, we'll see, you know, the, the blues are still a good team, but they have lost a lot of players over the last two years. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Now we have the Dallas stars who are very close to the predators who are have held the playoff spot for the majority of the season, but Dallas seems to be coming on lately. Don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. You look at the last 10 for both teams. It's a two point race right now. Nashville has 56 points and the stars had 54 points. It's worth noting that the Dallas stars have two games at hand, which will certainly play into things. The last 10 for the, the uh, predators five, four and one, it's, it's not bad, but it's not great either, especially when you're in a playoff race. And you look at Dallas, who's been coming on. We mentioned Robertson earlier in the show. He's been killing it the last few weeks. And the Stars have finally found their stride again. They were certainly dealing with injuries for a long portion of the season. And they're getting all of these guys back at the right time. They're 6-2-2 and in their last 10. And they're coming. and They're hot on Nashville's tail. And... There's absolutely no guarantee that Nashville holds that spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I still think the stars are, are a good team. And then there's a reason they went to the Stanley cup last year. So, it, it, you know, if you can get Tyler Sagan back, like you mentioned that that would be huge. And I don't know. I mean, I think the schedule definitely favors the predators, but the way they're playing lately. I don't know. You you never know. Maybe Dallas will get really hot here and Jamie Ben and Nicholas Robertson have been, excuse me, uh, Jason Robertson. I got my Robertson's mixed (laughs) up uh, have been very good for them lately. So it'll be fun.
0: I mean, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. A, A lot of very big hockey games coming up. Even the divisions that look like they're done with like the North division, there's still the potential for some movements and some teams to surprise. And we've got about three more weeks of the regular season, I believe, Mac. And it's going to be exciting. A lot of big hockey games coming up and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it's always it's always great to, uh, to watch meaningful games. And I think as we finish this regular season, we will see a lot of good teams facing other really good teams and you'll have kind of mini playoff previews in those games, as we've seen kind of in recent weeks.
0: And the one thing I should know before we wrap up this episode, Mac, is that uh, we aren't quite sure how the playoffs are going to go down yet. It sounds like just based on what the league's been hinting, Mac, is they aren't going to do a bubble this year just because the players really didn't like it last year. Uh, We've talked about that before, but What Gary Bedman basically said yesterday, Mac, this is definitely worth noting, is that he said, look, if your team has a Vancouver Canucks type outbreak or a Canadians type outbreak where you're going to be out for a week, you're going to forfeit the series. Right. He's sent out his warning now. That's for sure. And uh, hopefully we're done with the COVID outbreaks among the league. We certainly hope so. It's no good for anyone. Not good for the league. Not good for the players. Not good for the fans. So hopefully we're over that hump and we can just enjoy the hockey games through the rest of the season and playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you'd
0: like to add? No, I don't think so. Do you have anything you need to add, Mac? No, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Center Ice. As always, Center Ice is brought to you by the National Podcast Network. And as always, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast for Mac. This is Matt signing off and enjoy the games, everyone.